You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How we doing? Man, I thought last night was rowdy. You guys put him to shame. It is nuts. I love you, man. It's so great to be here. You look beautiful. Everybody dressed up. I like this. This is awesome. Happy Easter. Man. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time, I'm glad you're here. Um, welcome to the, the craziness that we call the creek. And we're just a bunch of messed up people who celebrate a risen, loving, holy God. And uh, we love that he pursues us and we're madly in love with him. And I just want to thank you on behalf of our whole staff and the hundreds of volunteers that it takes to do a weekend around here. You've been prayed for. You've been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for, and you're not here by accident. So thank you for being here, and uh, I'm excited. One of the things that I love to see around here at the creek that we've been seeing all weekend is, is life change. And I believe that happens when we see the truth of who Jesus is, when we see the truth of his words and we experience that. And, and one of the vision statements that we have around the, here at the creek is we want to be very clear about what we want to see people do. And, and we feel that this came from God from the time we launched the church, that we want to see people set in a relationship. People who are far from God, disconnected from God, come into that relationship with God. We want to see people set in family. We're a lonely generation. We need that connection, and we want to see family happen here at the creek. When you're here, yeah, you're family, and we, 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 we celebrate like family. We love like family, and we work like family. We serve like family. We want to see people set free, and we want to see people set in motion because I think the greatest strength of the church is not when we get in a room like this or we gather at a facility. The greatest strength of the church is when we scatter. It's when we get out and, and, and do what we're called to do out there. When we come in here, it's like a family reunion. It's like a gathering. We're going to get fired up. We're going to get charged up. And then we go out and we do what God's called us to do. That's what we want to see. And I'm excited about, about what we get to celebrate today because today, everything about today just speaks about our faith. It is all central to the Christian faith and why we even gather today. It's the, it's the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. When I was wrestling with faith and, and trying to, you know... I. I got to admit, when I, I got saved when I was 14. I grew up in church, but I got saved when I was 14. And one of the things that I wrestled with was the idea of the resurrection. I mean, I could believe that Jesus died for me. I mean, we live in a nation where men and women lay down their lives for us to have the freedoms we enjoy. Last night, we got to pray over two of our Air Force fighter pilots that are deploying Friday. I understand sacrifice. I understand that someone lays their life down so we can have freedom. I could get that connection with Jesus that he died for my sins and that he paid for me so that I could be forgiven. But I wrestled with the resurrection. And I wrestled with some of the myths that kind of circulate around the resurrection. But one of the things that God had to do was get me to truth. He had to get me to the, to the truth of his word because what I believe is that everything in this book is true. It is inspired by God is, and it is, is given to us so that we can live lives based on truth. And so when I started reading this Bible, I didn't just want to read it out of duty. I wanted to read it because I wanted my life to be changed. So God, I want to, if it's funny, let me see it funny. If it's heavy, I want to feel the weight. I want to experience your word. I just don't want to read it. And as I got in there, some of these myths got debunked. And man, God just started just bringing revelation about the resurrection. One of the myths that I was wrapped up around was one that even started the day of the resurrection um, way, back, way back then. And it started with this. This myth was this, that the disciples stole the, the body of Jesus. 
And that came from the leaders, the elders of the Jewish council, because the guards came to them and said, hey, uh, that Jesus that we were supposed to stand guard over at his tomb, um, yeah, he rose. And they, they said in Matthew 28, they said, hey, tell the people this, his disciples came and stole the body while you were sleeping. Here's a large sum of money. Now, the, the, the interesting thing in that is that even outside of the Bible, for a Roman soldier to admit that he fell asleep on the job, that's a death sentence. So they take this money, and so this myth, and so I'm thinking, well, okay, maybe the disciples did steal the body. Well, when you read the Bible, when you understand the disciples and everything they were going through around the crucifixion of Jesus, that myth really gets debunked. Because when Jesus was arrested, they, they scattered. They were afraid. They were like, okay, so the authorities have just arrested Jesus, and now they're going to come after us. They scatter. As a matter of fact, when, after the crucifixion, they locked themselves in a room. They said, we, we're, we're locked in here. We locked ourselves in. We're afraid. We don't, we're afraid of the, they were afraid of the Roman government, and they were afraid of the Jewish leadership. And so we're just like, we're going to hunker down, and we're, we're not going anywhere. And so I thought, well, how could these men that are so fearful about seeing Jesus get crucified, why would they go steal a body, overpower the Roman guards, roll the stone away, steal the body, just so they could perpetuate this myth and eventually give their lives for it as martyrs? So I thought, well, that, that doesn't make sense. And then one thing that really struck me that's in the passage we're going to read, if you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 24. One of the things it says is that the disciples didn't even believe the resurrection. Why are they going to go through this trouble for something they don't believe in? And so I thought, well, that myth is gone. I can't, I can't buy into that. The other one was this, that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He was just unconscious that the physical strain of the crucifixion knocked him out, and when they laid his body in the cool, dark tomb, it brought him back. I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe. But if you know anything about crucifixion, I mean, you, if you step outside of the Bible just to read historical accounts of crucifixion, it was brutal. And the Roman soldier that was overseeing the crucifixion, the execution of Jesus, the way he verified the death was he ran a spear through the side of Jesus. And scripture tells us that when that spear went into his side, that water gushed from the wound. I asked one of our Air Force surgeons in the church a couple years ago, I said, can you help me understand the medical side of the resurrection? I mean, help me understand everything about it. So he's walking me through medically. And I said, so what about when the spear went in his side and water poured from this wound? He said, the only way that water would be noticed that much to say in the account that it was gushing from the wound, that was pouring from the wound, was this. There's a, there's a sack around the heart. It's called a pericardium, if you're interested. And, and under the extreme duress, emotionally, mentally, physically, that Jesus was going through on the cross, that fluid be would begin to build up in that heart. And so much fluid had built up in the six hours that he hung on the cross that when the soldier ran the spear through his side, he said it would have pierced that sack. That's the only way you're gonna get enough water to come out that would be noticeable that water gushed from the wound. He said his heart was pierced. He said he was dead. And so... I can't buy into that because, see, I can understand that Jesus gave his life, but we have to understand this. The truth of the resurrection is what we celebrate. Our faith, the centrality of our faith in Christianity is not just that Jesus died, but Jesus died and was resurrected. 
With, that, with anything else, we don't get faith. We don't get it. I mean, if there is no resurrection, Scripture says this, there's no resurrection of the dead, then we of all people on the face of this planet should be pitied the most because we've thrown our faith, our hope, our future, eternity in the hands of nothing. But Scripture goes on to say, but thanks be to God that the, Jesus was raised for us and that we can experience this resurrection. And we experience it from the truth not from a myth. It's kind of like the devil on one side and the angel on the other side. This is the truth. That's not true. We're constantly having to face these issues. And this is where we can divide the truth. This is where we can get in and go, this is what God's word says. I want us to look at this resurrection account from the perspective of this truth. It says this, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb. These were women going to the tomb that were taking spices and anointing oils to anoint his body for burial. They had laid him in the tomb, but they were coming back after the Sabbath. He was crucified on Friday, and then that started the, the Passover, and that started the Sabbath. And then they came as soon as the Sabbath was over, early on Sunday morning, so they could anoint the body properly for burial. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they did... Uh, but, but they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So what's going on is these women are walking to the tomb. And what I love about the scripture is this, is that we have different information and supplemental information from different accounts of gospels. So you have gospels, the, the, the first four books of the New Testament. Our Bible's broken down in Old Testament, New Testament. The New Testament that starts out with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are accounts that tell of the life, ministry, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And when you start reading these and start getting the information going on that while these women, Luke says they were headed to the tomb to anoint his body for burial, but while they were walking there, and Mark chapter 16 tells us that the women were having a conversation on the way there. Who's gonna roll the stone away? How are we going to get in to anoint his body? How are we going to get in to get his body prepped for, for proper burial? The, the soldiers probably aren't going to roll it for us. How are we going to get in? None of us are strong enough. And then while this conversation is going on, in Matthew chapter 28, it tells us how this stone got rolled away. It says there was a great earthquake, but the earthquake didn't move the stone. It says an angel of the Lord who descended from heaven came, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. This angel was on a mission from God. God says, go get that stone out of the way because everything's about to open up. And so these women get there and they see the stone move. They look in. Jesus is not there. They're perplexed about all this. And while they were perplexed about this, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. That's where we get our Easter dress. (laughs) See, it's in the Bible. Y'all look sharp today. I went and bought a new shirt. I bought an Easter shirt. I got, my, I got my preaching jeans on, it's my dazzling jeans, not bedazzled jeans, just jeans. I thought about wearing a suit for about that long, because the first thought that goes through my mind when I put on a suit, well, the first thing I say is, I need to lose weight. The second thing is, when can I get this off? Because my neck grows, but my shirt collars don't. So I don't want to go buy new. I'm not going to just go buy dress shirts. You know, that's just boring. I want, I want the pink, right? I want everything. But dazzling apparel. And y'all look sharp today. You look beautiful. Happy Easter. These men stood by in dazzling apparel. Lost my place. Just think about how good everybody looks. Oh, verse 5. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee 
that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. So these angels are, are saying, hey, hey, you, you're in the wrong place, ladies. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? They didn't say, why are you seeking resurrection? Why do you, why are you come looking for Jesus? They said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you coming to a place that is associated and marked with death to find life? Now, this verse rings true for me because 10 years ago when Heather and I were praying about planting a church and we were looking at where, there was a family that approached us and said, hey, we're in a city north of Denton. If you come and you plant the church there, we just finished a brand new funeral home that you could plant the church in. (laughs) If you know me, I'm very sarcastic and a little bit cynical. And I looked at Heather, I was like, I mean, it was that... Did you just hear what he said? She said, well, we need to go check it out. I was like, it's a funeral home. She goes, we need to go look at it. I said, if we launch a church and funeral home, I'm calling it Life Church. And my slogan verse, why do you seek the living among the dead? That's what I got for you, baby. I mean, there's no, I was like, there's no way we can launch a church and funeral home. Can you, no children's ministry. I mean, kids walking around going, I see dead people. I mean, just, it ain't going to happen. So we launched in a daycare. So that's more fitting for us, I guess. <laughs> wow. I told you, y'all my rowdy crowd. You got me going now. But the angels are saying he's not here, he's risen. Remember what he told you. Jesus said many times in his ministry, he said, hey, I'm gonna be delivered over. I'm gonna be handed over. I'm gonna be mocked. I'm gonna be flogged. I'm gonna be crucified. And on the third day, I'll rise again. And the disciples heard this. All the people following Jesus heard Jesus say this. He's like, this is what's going to happen. I mean, how many of us, see, us men have this thing called selective hearing. And some of y'all wives are like, how do I fix my husband? I don't know. If I could fix it myself, my marriage would be a lot better. You know, if I can get that where I'll help you, okay? When I figure it out, I'll help you. But it's kind of like, you know, Heather would say, I said that. I was like, yes, you did. You sure did. I don't remember it, but I bet you did. And these angels like, remember? And he's speaking to ladies now. Like, ladies, don't you remember? Which is, oh no, they remembered, because it says in verse 8, and they remembered. <laughs> uh, Just checking to see if Heather's in here. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So the women go back to the apostles. The apostles are the disciples. There's 11 now. Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. When Jesus was crucified, Judas went out and hung himself, said, I can't deal with this. And so there's 11 disciples who are now apostles. And the women go and say, hey, we went to the tomb to anoint the body, but he wasn't there. And these angels showed up, and we were frightened, we, we, we were scared. I mean, think, think about how this conversation is going. I mean, it scared us, but they said, remember, remember what Jesus said. And you know what? We remembered what he said, so we came to tell you what he said. But these words seemed to the disciples an idle tale, and they did not believe them. We don't believe you. No, 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 no. We saw him crucified. I saw him hang on the cross. I saw everything. And I don't believe you. You're just trying to get us out of this room. We're afraid. We're in hiding. We're hunkered down. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what has happened. 
Peter. I love this. The last time we see Peter in this account of, of the, the, the story of Jesus is this, that Jesus and Peter are having a conversation, and Peter says, I'm never going to deny you. Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Peter said, it ain't going to happen. Peter looks at Jesus and says, if I got to die with you, Jesus, I'm never denying you. It is not happening. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, ain't happening. Jesus gets arrested. Peter follows. Peter's in the courtyard. Jesus is in the house. And he, he can see what's going on as this mock trial is happening. And somebody says, hey, hey, you were with him. And he says, I, I, I don't know the guy. Second person, y'all know you're with Jesus. I was not with Jesus. I don't know the guy. It ends up the third time, he's like, I swear I don't know the man. At that moment, the rooster crows. The Gospel of Luke says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And Peter was crushed in that moment. He went out and wept bitterly. He's like, I've let God down. I failed Jesus. But here you got Peter. When he hears the resurrection, what does he do? He gets up and he runs because he's got to experience it for himself. See, the resurrection has to get personal. It's not about me debunking myths with the truth of Scripture. It's not about me giving you convincing arguments. It's you experiencing the reality of the resurrection. See, that's the whole message of Easter. This whole message of the crucifixion and resurrection is come and see what has happened. Now go and tell. It's the angel. Come and see the place where they laid him. He's not here. Now go and tell. These women, they came to the tomb. They saw what happened, and then they went to tell the apostles. The apostles, they see. They come and see what happened, and then they go and tell. Peter, man, God so transformed his life. And, and Jesus didn't pick the disciples because they were good. He didn't pick them because they were the best. He picked them because he knew they would submit. And the reality of the resurrection would become stone in their life and they would give their lives for this gospel, this message that Jesus was crucified and resurrected and we can have hope and we can have life and we can have faith. And Peter stands up after the resurrection of Jesus and he preaches the gospel and thousands of people believe in the crucified, resurrected Savior and forever changed. That's Peter. Come and see, go and tell. It's you and I. Come and see, go and tell. People ask me, well, how can you know that you know that you know that the resurrection is real? I wasn't there. I didn't run to the tomb, but I can tell you how I know the tomb is empty because the power of God at work in my life, the empty tomb, he's filled my life. I was blind and now I see. I was a wretch and he saved me. At my worst, he gave his best. And the stone was rolled away, understand this, not to let Jesus out, but to let us in, to let witnesses in. Think about it. I mean, the disciples didn't believe in the resurrection. They were struggling with it. You got doubting Thomas. Remember doubting Thomas? Unless I see it, I ain't believing it. And so they're locked in a room and Jesus walks through the door. I don't mean walk through the doorway, walk through the door. Now, if, he walk, if I was scared like that and he walked in, it's like, hey guys, it's me. I'd have been like, I believe in the resurrection, but it's back there. There would be the cardboard cutout of Matt through the wall, right? <laughs> or the, the cartoon thing. I mean, gone. If I've never seen an angel, but if I did, the first thing they say is fear not in Scripture. The next thing they say, why don't you change your pants? <laughs> but Jesus walks through the door. 
Think about it. Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away if he can walk through doors. He walked on water before his crucifixion. He wasn't sitting in the tomb Easter morning going, hey, Father, as soon as you roll the stone away, we'll get this message out. Think about it. The stone was rolled for us. And I got good news for you today. God is still rolling stones. And he starts moving and he's rolling stones and it opens up a life. It opens up a lot for us. That tomb is empty, but it's open. When God rolls the stone in our life, our empty life becomes open and filled with him. And what that stone rolled away brings for us, it opens up forgiveness. Man, it it, it brings everything to light. In the New Testament, there's a letter that's written to the church in Rome. It's called Romans, and it's written by a man named Paul. And in this this letter that he's writing to the church in Rome, he's, he's breaking down this forgiveness of crucified, resurrected Savior. He's talking about a man named Abraham. And if you're new to Scripture or new to church, um, there's a man in the Old Testament named Abraham. God gave a great promise. If you grew up in church, you know the song, like, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord, right arm, and you start doing that. And then you end up doing right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, nod your head, turn around, everything. It's the Christian hokey pokey, right? (laughs) Somebody told me when I grew up in church, I wasn't allowed to dance. Well, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and we could dance. We couldn't do anything else, but we could dance, okay? I can't dance, but I could, okay? I had the freedom to dance, but this, this, I can't get this body to do what it's supposed to do. So I could do the Christian hokey pokey with Father Abraham. So if you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't grow up in church, I don't know that song. I didn't grow up in church. You have a lot less baggage than those of us who did grow up in church, okay? So consider yourself blessed. I'm glad you're here today. Praise God. Um, but Paul is talking about this man, Abraham. And when, when, when God said to Abraham, hey, through you, I'm going to make a great nation, the nation of Israel. All nations are going to be blessed because of you. Abraham was 75 years old. It was going to be another 25 years before the first son of the promise was born. And as soon as God said that to Abraham, Abraham said, God, I believe you. I trust you. I'm in. And scripture tells us that as soon as Abraham believed, that faith was accounted to him as righteousness. And then it picks up. Paul's explaining this in verse 22. He says, that's why his faith, Abraham's faith, was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. The promise just wasn't for Abraham. It was for us also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So what's, what's happening is, is we're taught that, that when we believe in God, when we place our faith in God, the crucified, resurrected Jesus, then our faith is counted as righteousness. Righteousness means this. It's right standing with God. You and I have right standing with God because we place our faith in a crucified, resurrected Savior. And it says that he was delivered for our trespasses. Trespasses means sins. He gave his life for our sin. That we could be forgiven. And it says that he was raised up for our justification. Justification is a legal term. It's a church word. It means this. It means to be justified before God. And for me to understand this, and I'll break it down to the elementary level, it means I stand before God justified. So I stand before God just as if I'd never sinned. 
That's what happens with the forgiveness that comes through a crucified, resurrected Jesus. That I can stand righteous in God and justified. And I have this forgiveness in my life. And the way we receive that forgiveness is this. We simply ask. Ephesians chapter two, we read it in our worship set, is a free gift. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All who ask for forgiveness will be forgiven. The price was paid for all, but we have to ask for that price to cover our life. We ask for forgiveness. And I run into a lot of people that that's kind of where they stop with their faith. Like, I'm a Christian. I said the prayer. But our life isn't marked by anything different. We have forgiveness. But Jesus says, that's just, that's just, that's just, the, that's me rolling the stone away from your life. I gave my life for you to have freedom. Think of it this way. You and I, every one of us are born with a need for forgiveness. From the time Adam and Eve in the garden sinned, every one of us are born into a broken system. We're born, think of it this way, we're born into a tomb. Yeah, we're walking around, we're breathing, but we're not alive. Spiritually, we are dead. We all have a need for forgiveness. We all have a need for the crucified, resurrected Jesus to roll the stone away in our life so we experience forgiveness and freedom. And the way it looks is this, is that you and I are sitting in this grave, and when we call upon Jesus, like, Jesus, I need your grace. I'm asking for your grace. I need that gift. I need forgiveness in my life. And what happens, he doesn't just roll the stone away. He blows it completely out of there. And we've got this freedom, but sadly, most of the time, we just continue to sit in that grave. We go, well, I got forgiveness, but I'm too scared to get out there. And our lives become marked with an identity of shame, guilt, fear. That plays out in so many different ways. When we feel like our identity is shame, guilt, or fear, it plays out in broken relationship after broken relationship. It plays out in addiction. It plays out in abuse. It plays out in so many areas of our life. And we find ourselves going, how did I get here? Why, am I, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why are you continuing to sit in a place that's marked with death when Jesus Christ has opened up the stone for you and rolled it out of the way for you to walk out into the life that is truly life? So you live in a place that's marked by life, not find life in a place marked by death. He says, step out of that. Because Jesus said, if I set you free, you're free indeed. He's talking to the religious leaders in John chapter 8. And he says, you guys are just in bondage. And the religious leaders of the Jews go, we've never been in bondage to anyone. Which, if you know the history of the nation of Israel, how much of a joke that statement is. And Jesus says, I'm going to speak some truth to you. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. We are born slaves to sin. And he says, a slave does not remain in the house forever, but a son remains in the house. Notice the capitalization in the word sons. A son remains in the house So if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. 
I become a son of God by that gift of grace that the old is gone and the new has come. I'm a new creation. I'm righteous. I am justified in front of God because of what Jesus did for me. And I accept that free gift of grace. I'm a son because the son has set me free. And I can get up out of that grave because he's called me out of it. And I start walking a life that is truly life. I start walking a life that's not marked by sin. It's not marked by shame. It's not marked by guilt. It's not marked by fear. It's not marked by all the things that hold me down. It's marked by the freedom that he paid for. And I pursue that with everything I got. It doesn't mean perfection. Nowhere did Jesus say, hey, I rolled the stone away for you to walk perfectly. But my grace is sufficient for you. Keep walking. And a lot of times we're too scared to come up out of that grave because we don't understand this. We don't believe that God has a future for us. Jesus says, hey, I gave my life and I was raised again so you could have forgiveness, so you could live in freedom and so you could experience the future I have for you. I was reminded yesterday that 18 years ago, Easter weekend was my first Easter back in church in a long time. And 18 years ago, if you would have said to me, hey, this is where you're going to be standing in 18 years, you would have had to go and repent for what I was going to tell you. Because I was not close to God. I got invited to Easter and I went. But praise God that when I can't see the future, he can. Because when I recommitted my life that Easter weekend, the stone was rolled away and the author and finisher of my faith started writing a story of my life that led me to this place today. And too many of you think you don't have a future because you're too far gone or you've blown it with God, you've let him down or you believe some myth or lie that, the, that God can't love you. You've just done too much, he can't love you. And I'm here to tell you the truth, that is false. The stone was rolled away so that you can come out of that grave, so you can walk away from those lies, so you can live life on the other side of the rock. If you think you don't have a future, I'm gonna ask you to change your perspective because maybe you're looking on the wrong side of the rock. Every summer, Heather and I go with some dear friends of ours to Estes Park, Colorado, and I love it for several things. We get away from the heat of Texas in the summer, but there's a trail that I have to hike. I hike Rocky Mountain National Park, and there's one trail every year. I gotta do that one. Because at the top, when you make this climb, there's an incredible view, but you gotta get around an incredibly large rock. The first time I got there, I was exhausted. And I was looking, I was like, I don't know if I want to chance it. I'm kind of scared of heights. I, I don't like this. And I thought, you know what, I'll just sit on this side and eat lunch and man, maybe I'll get a glimpse of it. And there was just something that rose up in me that said, no, 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 no. You did not come all this way to settle this behind the rock. You get on the other side. And I sat on the other side in awe. I've taken hundreds of pictures of this site. There's not a picture that I can show you. There's not a word that I can give you to express the magnificence of this view. And I sat there just in awe of God's grace, his goodness, his bigness, his creativity. And all that happened when I got on the other side of the stone. I'm here to tell you the good news today. The grave is empty, 
but God is still rolling stones. And some of y'all need some stones rolled away in your life. Today's the day that you receive that gift of grace. Today's the day that you finally take hold of the freedom that is free and that you step into the future that the author and finisher of your faith will lead you in. If you would, would you stand and I'm gonna close this in prayer. And I want you to know as you're standing that you've been prayed over. There have been people in the Creek family that have been praying for you to be here today. And they've been praying for this for you. That if you're far from God, that today, this moment, right here, right now, that you would draw in and you would become close. So with your heads bowed, I just wanna ask you, I wanna give you that invitation. If you're willing to be honest with me and say, hey, I'm moving past everything else, I'm moving past myself. And you know what? I know that God loves me and that God desires a connection with me and a relationship with me. And I'm ready right now to receive. I'm ready to ask and receive for that gift of grace. Then I want you to do something very simple for me. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I just want you to do something for me. I want you to raise your hand up really high. I want you to say, Matt, I want you to pray for me because I need this gift. I'm ready to receive this. I'm ready for forgiveness. I'm ready for grace. I'm ready for salvation. I'm ready for forgiveness. I'm ready for freedom. I'm ready for his future, not mine. I'm ready to walk up out of the grave because he's rolling the stone away. Keep your hands up. Put them up anymore, anymore, because I'm gonna pray for you. Today, today, It's the first day of the rest of your life. You can put your hands down in the quietness of your moment. Here's what I want you to say to God. I want you, your heart connecting with God. Just say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again for me. And I believe you're giving me this gift of grace when I ask. I'm giving you all of me for all of you. Thank you for giving your best when I was at my worst. And I believe that when I ask you, you forgive and that you make me new and that your grace changes everything. So I commit to you, Jesus, to live my life in your forgiveness, to walk in your freedom and live the future that you're writing for me. I'm yours and yours alone. If that was your prayer this morning, I wanna be the first to say this. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. You have a place to belong. You have a home. You're loved. And you're a new creation. Father, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for life. I thank you for grace. I thank you for hope. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for your freedom. And I thank you for the future that you have written for us, that you desire us to walk in. Jesus, we celebrate you today. We celebrate you because you are risen and you have risen indeed. We no longer come to the places marked by death to find life, but we pursue you, Jesus, who is our life and our life is found in you. And we celebrate, we glorify, and we honor you and you alone. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. 
We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at